Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter. It is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. You guys, we've got some Holy Ghost fire we're going to drop in today's Bible study. Uh, God's just all over me this morning. So um, let me know where you guys are at. This is a worldwide ministry, and I'm blessed, humbled, honored to be a part of your guys' day. Uh, we got people from Pennsylvania in the house. We've got Arkansas. I don't think we've seen much of Arkansas, so that's a glory to God that we're reaching Arkansas. I love that. Florida, California. Germany, Argentina, India, come on somebody, like already, but this is worldwide, I'm so humbled and honored, we got New York in the house, Kansas City, Boston, why do I want to do an accent when I say Boston, I want to say Boston, I'm probably wrong, but that's just like, as soon as I'm reading these and some of them, I just feel like I need to do the accent, um, I'm, I don't mean to be ethnocentric or come off like, I mean, it's just like, I don't know about you, but it's just like, ah, I want to say Brazil, like I want to say these things, South Carolina, good morning, okay, we're not here for me to be funny and silly, if you guys, maybe this is your first time coming to Coffee and Prayer, today is like day 119 in a row, my brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world have gathered here on Instagram Live of all places, a social media platform, and we have surrounded here to hear the word of God, uh, to hold one another accountable. You guys, this is a Bible study. Uh, we have gone through chapter by chapter, chronologically, through the book of Matthew, through the book of Mark, Luke, John. Today we are in Acts. We're reading Acts chapter 26. We are two chapters away from being complete. And remember, um, it's beautiful. I love the timing and how it aligns with things because on Sunday we'll find completion. We'll do a digital altar call. I also preach at my church on Sunday. I can already see that it's going to be a glorious day. Souls will be be saved. I'll get a chance to to preach uh, in person at the church. I'll get to meet people and love on people. And I'm just, I'm excited. And then Monday, like everybody loves to start new things on Monday. On Monday, we start Romans chapter one. It can't get better than this. The Lord is so intricate and into details. He knew when we started this, how things would play out. And I'm so blown away um, by, by his planning. But uh, check it out. A reminder, you guys read the chapter. I'm not here reading it to you. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and pin this. When people come in, it's Acts chapter 26. That's what we're rocking with. Jamie, you won the lottery today. I just chose the first one that I saw. Um, but here, let's talk about what we've got going on. In, in Acts chapter 25, we see that um, Paul, he was in custody for two years under the governor Felix. Felix would often visit him, talk with Paul. He was hoping that Paul would bribe him uh, for his freedom. He didn't find anything wrong with him. As as Felix is moved out, we have uh, King Festus or, or, or Governor Festus replaces him. The Sanhedrin comes, they try to accuse him again, and again, they find nothing wrong with him. Well, King Agrippa, he shows up. And so um, we understand that King Agrippa, he's familiar with the customs of the Jews. He's well studied. He understands that. He's even familiar with the name of Jesus. And so Paul decides, he says, you know what? Uh, I, I want to defend myself. They, they bring him up. They, they want to question him. They want to know because... Um, Governor Festus thinks that it would be foolish because uh, Paul has appealed the, the charges and he wants to go to Rome. He wants to be taken to Rome. And so um, Festus is like, I think it would be foolish to send 
Paul to Rome without, you know, having accusations or having an idea of what he, he's doing. So he asks King Agrippa to sit with him and question Paul. And so here we find in chapter 26, Paul is defending himself. And so he raises his hand and we see, um, he says, you know, King Agrippa, I'm happy to stand before you and will answer all the charges, uh, you know, that, that um, the Jewish people make against me. And he was like, you know so much about all the Jewish customs and the things the Jews argue about. So please listen to me patiently. And so here he goes, he, he, he starts right in and he starts with, you know, I was a good Pharisee and the Pharisees obey the laws of the Jewish religion more carefully than any other group. So Paul was a Pharisee. We understand that when he was Saul, he goes back to like, Hey, this is my upbringing. This is my teaching. This is my education. I was a good Pharisee. People loved me, right? They, they, they knew that I was zealous for the word. I was in it. I was going for it. And so, um, he says, my king, the Jews have accused me because I hope for this same promise, right? My, my hope is in what the prophets and what Moses and what those who came before us, the very people we study in the Torah, the very people who we study, they pointed to this moment. And my hope is in that. Why do any of you people think it's impossible for God to raise people from the dead? And then he goes into sharing some of his testimony of like, he said, I too thought I ought to do many things against Jesus from Nazareth. And this is what I did. He gives a list of some of the things he did under the moniker of Saul, like before he was Paul, as he was Saul the Pharisee. He said, uh, the leading priests gave me power to put many of God's people in jail and they were being killed. And I agreed that it was a good thing. He was arresting people, punishing them. He was accusing them. He had search warrants. He had, he was going out and grabbing Christians and bringing them back and they were being judged guilty and they were being killed. And he was standing there and he loved it. He was agreeing with it. He thought that he was doing a good thing. He said, in every synagogue, I often punished them and tried to make them speak against Jesus, right? He would make them try to renounce them following Jesus. He was a menace to the church. He says, I was so angry against them. I even went to other cities to find them and punish them. It wasn't enough for him to be in the cities that he was in and persecute them. But Saul thought he was so angry that these, these, these people, these Jews, that they would, uh, it wasn't that they were renouncing Mosaic laws, that they were believing and following following something that they hadn't quite wrapped their mind around and he was so angry so he's going to other cities and he's grabbing people and he's punishing them and he even says one time the leading priest gave me permission and the power to go to Damascus and we understand what happened uh, on the road to Damascus and here is his account of his conversion right we hear um, in, in the in earlier in the book of Acts we hear Luke because Luke is the author him sharing how you know Saul was converted but here's his own account and he says uh, I heard a voice speaking to me there was a bright light and everybody who was with me we fell to the ground and I heard this the in the Jewish language Saul Saul why are you persecuting me you are only hurting yourself by fighting me and in and of that like let me just take a holy pause Woo! listen Jesus says Saul Saul why are you persecuting me you're only hurting yourself you guys how many of us know I mean I'm gonna share that I can look back and and at my life I know that this isn't about me this is about Saul but um, 
man, I was only hurting myself. As I rejected Christ, as I ran from my calling, as I ignored the word, I, as I ignored God's plan, purpose, and will, I can look back and see how there were people in my life, uh, even as a non-believer, who would minister, who would share the truth, who would reach out, who were pillars, who loved me and cared about me. And, and I, I would see them as weak or I would see them as annoying or just like, stop, like leave me alone. Stop trying to pray for me. Why are you guys telling me about this Jesus? I don't care about this thing you call sin. I don't care. And I can just look back how God was reaching out. He was pursuing me. And some of you guys might relate that, right? Relate that if you grew up outside of the church or maybe you were falling away where God would plant these people who loved you and cared about you and they would reach out. And I look back and as I read this, he says, you're only hurting yourself by fighting me. And that's what I was doing. I can see I was only hurting myself as I was backslid, as I was ignoring those calls, as I, you know, I'd see him call on the caller ID because I didn't have a cell phone back there, the caller ID. And I'd be like, nope, I wouldn't pick it up straight to voicemail. Hey, Andrew, been thinking about you, praying about you, worried about you, you know, reach out to me, man. I'm here. I want you to know that you're not alone. Ugh, sick. I don't want anything to do with these people, right? These well-meaning people who loved me and cared about me. And I would ignore that because they were just a bird and they were bugging me. And the people, well, who was that? Oh, it's these, these Christian fanatics. They're, they're, they're just trying to, you know, they're trying to get me to join their cult when in reality they loved me. They cared about my heart and my soul. And I would push those people away and I would be drawn to the world because I, I thought that that's where my identity was. I thought that's where I was finding peace and happiness and joy, but really on the inside I was numb and I was searching for the very love that they were extending to me, but I was only hurting myself. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And so moving forward, we see, you know, he's still talking about Jesus. He says, uh, uh, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, again, this is Saul on the road to Damascus. This is his conversion story. I am Jesus, the one you were persecuting. He says, stand up. I have chosen you to be my servant and my witness. We understand. I'm going to take another holy pause, right? Like I said, God was speaking to me so much on this uh, as I read. And it's funny because like yesterday, there wasn't a lot of download. It was short and sweet. It was kind of to the point. But uh, this morning, I mean, this is, here's the, here's the chapter and that's my highlighting. Like the vast majority of it. I'm just like, oh, that's good. Oh, I love that. Oh, Lord, like, come on. Like, it's so good. But he says, I have chosen you to be my servant and my witness. We understand that God calls us friend. Jesus calls us friend. We are his friends. I go over this because so many people, they go, oh, well, God calls us friends. You're no longer a servant. I understand that. We're not God's servants. We're his children. We are chosen and highly favored. We have been set aside. We are a royal priesthood. God cares about us. He didn't save us for us to be his Cinderella where we're on our hands and knees and we're cleaning things up. But I must must remind you that Jesus was our friend, right? There's no greater love than a friend who will lay his life down on the line for a brother or sister, for a friend, right? He laid his life down on the line. He sacrificed. He was selfless. And believe it or not, he served us as his friend, as our friend. He served us. He came here. He washed feet, Right? He served the people, the sick, the lonely, the poor, the those who were possessed, those who were who were hurting and 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 were were dealing with things. Like he came and as a friend, because he loved us, he served. And here it says, I've chosen you to be my servant and my witness. And so many of us as followers of Christ, we think that servitude is below us. We are here to serve. 
That's how, that's one of the greatest forms of love is sacrifice and selflessness. And, and when we understand that, yes, we are God's chosen people, we are heirs, we are kings and queens in the eyes of the Father, like we are a holy and a royal priesthood. That's why my church is called Royal City Church, because I believe that we are a royal people set aside from this world, but it starts with service. It starts with service and loving people. We love people so much that we want to serve them and we want to help them. And so when we can start understanding that this life isn't about us attaining a maximum level of comfort and attaining a maximum level of things. The goal, my purpose for life isn't to max out my salary or to rise up the, the, the career, the elevator, the ladder to the top to max out my career. That's not what my purpose is. My purpose isn't to, to travel to every single continent and country in the world and to gain experience and to, to garner things and materials. That is not the purpose of life. Now, some people, Yes, some people, um, they might be put in careers or high places in order to minister to play people in those things. But again, they have the hearts and the mindset of being a servant. They go to these places and they serve. And that's why they're successful. They are, they're faithful with the little that God gives them. And so God can entrust them with more. So they're elevated in these places. They're promoted in these places so that they can be a light in those places. But the thing is, many of us, our heart posture isn't in the right place. We're not faithful with the little. So God won't give us more because he knows that if he gives us more, it's going to destroy us. I share this all the time. I know a lot of people will take that stimulus check or their refund check during tax season and they won't tithe from it. They won't do anything from it. All they do is get a bigger TV, maybe a new gaming system. They get clothes for the kids. Not bad things, not inherently evil. But the thing is, is that that is what our focus on. And we get a little bit of extra money. We go right in and we start to buy more materials. If we can't be faithful with the little things, why would God ever give us more? And so you're stuck in this cycle of like, as God blesses you, an increase comes, you go and spend it on things that don't truly matter, materials. And so then, and then you wonder, well, why am I in this rat race? Why am I on this hamster wheel? Why does life keep looking the same? Why can't I be promoted or grow out of this place? And then you become discouraged and disappointed and you're filled with this lack of purpose and understanding. And you just think your life is about accumulating more things. You see, I worked in manufactured home company for years. I promise I'll get back to the scriptures. We can't slow this down. And I, there was a there was a purpose for me to be in that place because I was there for years and I witnessed men. Um, and there was women there too, but I was close to the men. I worked close in this factory with men and many of them were married. Many of them were, were uh, also miserable in their life. They showed up, they hated their job, they worked their eight hours, they complained and griped, they collected their check, nothing was ever good enough. On their weekends, they would start with Friday night with drink and they would drink through the weekend, watch football on Sunday. They'd show up hungover on Monday. They would complain about their wife, they would complain about their kids, their kids were going out absolutely wild. They were focused on, they, all they could look forward to was retirement. God, man, 20 more years of this and I got this. And they're putting money away in their 401k and they would use their sick leave and their vacation to travel and to do things. And the whole time they were gone, they were drunk, they were drinking on these vacations. They'd come back miserable, only looking forward to the next two week vacation that they could take. And it was a, a life that seemed miserable and pointless, right? 
it was so pointless. The life that they were living was, it was just this rat wheel. It was a hamster wheel. It was a rat race and, and there was no purpose and they were empty and you could see in their soul, they longed for more. They longed for purpose, but the deception of this world tells you that that is living. And so many people get caught in these cycles, right? So they get caught in these cycles, these repetitive cycles, and this is what life becomes. And many of these men were stepping out on their wives. They're cheating. They're addicted to pornography. They're searching all these different places looking for truth looking for satisfaction and it eluded them because they had they like that's all that they saw life was about and it, it broke my heart and it gave me a sneak peek at the condition of men and the hearts of men and what's going on around this world we are we were made for more we were made to be vessels for the Holy Spirit. The true purpose, true peace and comfort and direction and guidance comes when you, yes, being a friend of God, but also being a servant. That's what we are here for. We are here to make him more known with all of our time, energy, effort, and resources. Amen. Whoo! Glory to God. So Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one you were persecuting. Stand up. I have chosen you to be my servant and my witness. And I feel like that's a message to each and every one of you. Get up. Stand up. I've called you to be my servant and called you to be my witness. You're here to serve me. You're here to witness for me. You're here to make me more known. And that's going to give you peace. That's going to give you comfort. That's going to give you satisfaction. And on this road of serving me as my friend, loving me and witnessing for me, I will provide. I will open doors. I will give you opportunity. You will... You will truly live a life that is filled with purpose and that is that is labeled with satisfaction. You will be satisfied because you will spend time in my word. You will spend time in my presence. I will be your strength. You will live glory to glory day by day by faith, not knowing how everything is going to pan out, but you have so much trust in the one who created you. And that, my friend, is truly living. Glory to God. Truly living. It feels so good. He goes forward and he says, you're going to tell people the things that you have seen and the things that I will show you. I will keep you safe from your own people. He says, I'm sending you to them. Oh, it's so good. Come on, Jesus. He says, to open their eyes. I'm sending you to them. He's talking to Saul, okay? I get that he's not talking to Andrew, but I, it's hard for me not to just be like, oh, you're talking to me, Lord. You're talking to me. I, I, I am sending you to them. Listen, just close your eyes and imagine God saying this to you. I am sending you to them, right? To people who are lost, to the non-believers around this world. Am I taking scripture out of context? Probably. Please don't get mad, but I feel like he's saying, I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn away from darkness to the light, away from the power of Satan and to God. Then their sins can be forgiven and they can have a place with those people who have been made holy by believing in me. I am sending you to them so they can turn away from darkness to the light. That sounds like marching orders. That sounds like instruction. Lord, send me. That's my prayer this morning. God, send me. I want to be a vessel for your Holy Spirit. Uh, my visions, my dreams, my ambitions, my goals, none of them matter. I wanted to be an astronaut. I don't care. I want to do what God's will, what he created me for. I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to be all of these things. The only thing that I want to do is I want to be 
what God made me for. And I feel like he's speaking straight to me. I feel like he's speaking straight to you, right? And he's telling us, I'm sending you. Lord, send me, take me. Where do you want me to go? To the all the corners of this earth. I want you to use me so that I can tell people about you. To open their eyes so they may turn away from darkness to the light away from the power of Satan and to God. And then, then their sins can be forgiven. We have the cure to sin. We understand that we as non-believers lived in sin. It separated us from God. And we came to a place where we put our faith in Jesus. That sin was washed away once and for all. It was thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. The veil was torn. There is no longer a barrier between us and God. And now we can sit with him. We can sit in his presence. We can talk to him. We can give him praise and worship and honor and the glory. And we can learn from him. And he can come into our life. And he can change and transform us. And he can send us out. He can use us as empty vessels. And he can fill us with his light. We empty ourselves of ourselves and our own things, the things that we thought would bring us happiness, peace, and joy, but we know that they don't. We know that it's all empty. It's all chasing after the wind. And so now he sends us out so that we can preach the gospel. So that those who are, are living in darkness, they can see the light. Those who are serving the enemy and serving this world, they can serve God and they can have a place with those people who have been made holy by believing in me. That's good news, friends. That is gospel. That is good news. That's so good. Mm. <laughs> wow. I'm just like at a loss for words. And I pray that you guys feel, I pray that you guys don't feel it. I pray that you guys know it. I, we're not here for a feeling. I could tickle your ears and I could whisper you sweet nothings and sugarcoat this stuff. You guys, this life isn't about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your achievements. It's not about your accolades. Man, 119 days of coffee and prayer will mess you up. <laughs> 119 days in a row of, of spending time in God's word and making it your first fruit, making it your daily bread. It'll jack you up. It'll mess you up. It'll put things right. It'll clear some things up. It'll break some chains. It'll set some captives free. It'll make you weird for the word. I'm getting weird for the word. I And I know some of you guys are too. This is a game changer, not what I'm doing. It's just like the habit and the consistency of us. And you guys can attest to this. Us, you showing up and spending time in the word it really starts to tear scales away. It really starts to break chains. It really starts to make this thing make sense. And, and how blind we've been and how we've chased after things that just don't matter. You guys catch it. It is a knowing. It is no longer a feeling like, dude, we have made it. Even, I mean, we have made it what it's never supposed to be. This is so good. Thank you, Jesus. It's, mm. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. I'm not even in <clears throat> Psalms right now. King Agrippa, after uh, he say, he, he's addressing King Agrippa, he said, and I love the boldness of Paul. He really messes around here. He says, after I, uh, after I had this vision from heaven, I obeyed it, right? Woo-hoo! Come on now. Look, okay? As we're spending time in this word and God's giving you these revelations, you still have a choice whether you obey it or not. He says, after I had this vision from heaven, I obeyed it. 
right? It, it was that simple. There was a revelation. God came to me. He spoke to me. He spoke to me through his word. He made it clear. Everybody wants to know, what, Andrew, what's my plan? What's my purpose? Your purpose is to serve God as his friend, to love him, to serve his people, to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, to allow that light to come into your life and to be a light in this world. Okay, but, 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 what's, but what does he want me to do? He wants you to serve him. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to be a light in this world, in the place that you're at. He wants you to obey him, right? But what's, what, but what is he, what's my purpose? The thing is, is that many times we don't hear what we want to hear. We want to hear something that's tied into prosperity, or we want to believe that God's purpose or plan is a destination that he's taking you somewhere. The plan and purpose for God is right here where you're at in the place, wherever you're watching this, God has a purpose for you, right? Even if you're in the bathroom watching this, okay? There's a purpose for you today. He woke you up, you have a pulse, therefore you have a purpose. God wants to do something in the place that you're at. Your purpose and plan, the will for your life isn't a destination. And we don't want to hear that. Well, God, I'm, I'm in this place, I don't really like it. Guess what, Paul was in prison. You think that he loved it? Right? There was a purpose and a plan for him, even when he was in prison. There was a purpose and a plan for him, even when he was shipwrecked. We'll get to that tomorrow. There was a purpose and a plan for him everywhere that he went, whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable or not, whether you have all of these things that are on your little dream board or not, there's a purpose for you today, right? There's a purpose and a plan for you today. And what he did here is that he obeyed it. Obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's Jesus, words in red. I don't even know where it's at. I remember reading it. Um, and that's what the Holy Spirit brings to my memory. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's pretty cut and dry. Uh, if you love me, you'll obey me. And here Paul says, well, I obeyed it. He says, and then I began telling people that they should change their hearts and lives and turn to God and do things to show they really had changed, right? I love that. There's going to be fruit from your, there's, there's going to be fruit from your works. If I believe and put my faith in Jesus, then the way that I live starts to look different, right? I can say with my mouth, oh yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. But if I'm out there still drinking and partying and living a life, I'm fornicating. Do you really have faith in Jesus? That your life is going to change. He says, I, I started telling people that they should change their hearts. Okay. So the heart changes first and lives and turn to God. And now the things that they do, the way that they live, they should show that they really changed. What does that look like? Right? It's easy to say, oh, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in all of those things. Awesome. Uh, awesome. A lot of people will believe, but will hear, I don't even know you, right? Lord, Lord, I, I, I did all of these things in your name, it's like, but I never knew you. Look at your life. You never truly changed. You never truly put your faith in me. And I know that terrifies some people because the, the faith without works is dead. So you put your faith, yes, Lord, I believe in you. But then you turn from your sin and you start to live a different life. Right? It doesn't mean that you're never going to sin again. Please don't get that mistaken. I sin daily. It just looks different. It might not be a drive-by selling drugs and like something crazy, but uh, for me, the sin might be in my mind. I might struggle with jealousy. I might struggle with pride. I might struggle with uh, selfishness, right? These are all things that are still sin. You know what I mean? Those are th things that are still sin. So um, I sin daily. God has to check my heart daily. I have to be in his word daily. I have to reflect daily. I have to do an audit of where I'm at. Am I allowing this to get to my head? Am I staying humble? Am I still loving people? Am I in this for the right reasons? There's sin that it still pops up. It just might look different. And so I'm constantly measuring and looking in the word to make sure that what I'm seeing back is Jesus. Amen. But he says that, uh, you know, I obeyed. I started telling people about this. I told this first in Damascus uh, and then in Jerusalem and then in every part of Judea and also to those who are not Jews. Uh, God has helped me. 
So I stand here today telling all the people, small and great, what I have seen. And then, um, this is powerful. This is good. This is good. He says, but I'm saying only what Moses and the prophets said would happen, that the Christ would die. And as the first to rise from the dead, he would bring light to the Jewish and non-Jewish people. And so Paul, as he's sharing this, he says, um, well, Paul was saying these things to defend himself. Festus loudly said, so Festus was the governor. He says, Paul, you're out of your mind. Too much study has driven you crazy, um, which, which lends to this. I talk about Paul being under house arrest for two years. Um, and I say, well, he probably wasn't sitting there moping around and boohooing and like, oh, you know, Paul, woe is me. Like this, this is no good. He was busy. He was busy doing God's plan and purpose. And, and why would, you know, and this is me, this is making, this is an assumption. So please don't, don't use this as, um, uh, this is what I'm taking from this. He says, Paul, too much study has driven you crazy. Now, either he's uh, assuming that he studied before or as he's visited, as he's been here, as he's seen Paul, I would imagine that Paul has been studying. He's been locked up. I could see him not only ministering and witnessing to people, but him reading, going back through the Torah and saying, yes, this right here, this is talking about Jesus, going through the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and pointing to Jesus. I could see him studying. I could see him in that place, getting better, sharpening his knowledge, understanding, preparing himself to be in Rome. He knows that he's going to Rome. He's appealed to see Caesar. He's appealed to go to Rome. So I could see him preparing himself mentally, physically, maybe even doing some push-ups like you know what I mean like he's in there and he's he's got a purpose even though he's in prison he's in a place that's not comfortable he's in a place that he doesn't want to be he's not feeling sorry for himself and saying God just get me out of here no he's like okay Lord you have me here I'm gonna make sure that I'm prepared I could imagine that he was studying and witnessing and uh, sharpening himself so that when he finally got to where God told him he was going to be he would find himself ready and that's a message for a lot of us. You might not be where you want. Instead of spending your time complaining and, 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 and being frustrated and disappointed because you're not where you want to be, start using the time and the place that you're at to sharpen yourself. Be studying your word. Be looking for opportunities to witness and minister to people who are in the place that you're at. Get ready because God's taking you somewhere. There is a place that you're going to go. And you want to be ready. You don't want to show up to the main event without being prepared, right? Without being ready. And then you get to this place and you're ill-prepared and you're like, gosh, I wish I would have spent more time uh, getting ready. I wish I would have spent more time sharpening my ax, right? I wish I would have spent more time. What's that famous quote, right, by Abraham Lincoln? He's like, give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'm going to spend the first four sharpening my ax. I'm going to give you a task, but the, the most of the time, I'm not going to spend six hours hitting this tree with a dull ax. I'm going to spend the most of my time sharpening myself, studying, getting myself ready. And then I'm going to spend less time on the actual task because I am prepared for it, right? Now you're quoting Abraham Lincoln. Who am I? This is wild. Holy Spirit will change you. You will be transformed. Oh, my coffee is medium warm. That was disappointing. It didn't even burn a little, right? So uh, the audacity of Paul, right? I, I love this. So after Festus is just like, you're a madman. You know, you've studied too much. Paul says, most excellent Festus. I'm not crazy. My words are true and sensible. And then he addresses King Agrippa. He says, King Agrippa knows about these things, right? King Agrippa knows about the Jews. King Agrippa knows about the prophets. King Agrippa has even heard of Jesus. So he says, I know he has heard about all these things because they didn't happen off in a corner. 
And then he says this, look, listen to Paul. King Agrippa, do you believe what the prophets wrote? I know you believe. And King Agrippa, he goes, he says to Paul, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian in such a short time? Paul has, the, he like, he does a little baby altar call. He's just like, King Agrippa, you know, you like, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like he tries to get King Agrippa saved in this moment, like the boldness, right? These men are sitting here, uh, you know, trying to get an idea of what it is that he did or what they should do with him. Festus thinks he's crazy. Agrippa's kind of like, man, he kind of makes sense. And Paul uses this opportunity to be like, I mean, you can believe right now. Like you, we can, let, we'll pray for you. Let me lay hands on you. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. I got to pull out back. We'll baptize you like right here. And King Agrippa, he's just like, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian in such a short time? Like, bro, you just shared one fifteenth of your testimony. You're going to try it. You're going to really do the altar call like that. And Paul says, whether it's a short time or a long time, I pray that God, uh, that I pray to God that not only you, but every person listening to me today would be saved and be like me, except for the chains that I'm in. So not only you, but yes, Bernice, and uh, which is like your sister lover, uh, uh, you know, everybody in this place who's listening, not just you, and whether it's a short time or a long time, I pray that all of you guys are saved and become like me, on fire, crazy for the Lord, spreading the gospel, except for being locked up. I want you guys to be free and be able to do these things. And what I really highlighted here is he says, whether it's a short time or a long time, he understands the, the power of planting seeds. I get so many people in my DMs, this might be you, this might be you. And they say, Andrew, I'm, I'm witnessing to my brother and he's not being receptive. What should I do? I'm just like, keep witnessing, keep praying. Like, don't give up. Like, I, I don't know what you guys think. Do you think... You know, and don't get me wrong. In some cases, you can just be like Jesus is Lord, and they're just like, "Oh, save me!" Um, you know, they're they're God has been working behind the scenes and preparing their heart that it's a fertile ground. It's a it's a place that is ready for truth. And I've literally had people give their life uh, to Jesus the very first time that they heard the gospel. I've seen it. More likely than not right? Their hearts are hardened and God is in the middle of working things out. And so the little seeds that you're planting, like, like they get, people get discouraged when people aren't just falling out and just like, Oh, that is so true. No, people are going to be resistant. They're going to be rebellious. They're going to have blinders. There's a spiritual war going on inside of them. The light is battling with the dark. Uh, there's, there's different strongholds. There's sometimes demonic possession. There's uh, different, you know, things that are being worked behind the scenes in the spiritual realm that you have no idea about. There's a constant war going on. So please don't give up on the people that you're ministering to, even if it's a year, even if it's five years, even if it's 10 years. I've got brothers on here who they're trying to get their parents saved and their parents are in their 90s and they still don't believe, but they still have hope and they still plant the seed and they still be the light. We can't put a timetable on when people accept Jesus into their life, right? Uh, if you ever watch the movie, uh, 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 God's Not Dead right? Love that movie. Part one. No, wait, which one am I talking about? Part one with uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch and Hercules, Kevin so Sorbo, right? And Dean Kane. all-star cast, by the way, I grew up on Superman on the WB, uh, the, uh, before you guys freak out. Okay. Um, Sabrina, the teenage witch. I'm not into witchcraft. I was a kid. It was on Nickelodeon. Um, I think her name was like Melissa Joan Hart or whatever. And then Hercules. I'm not into Greek gods. I grew up watching the WB, man. And it's the movie God's Not Dead. And so I recognize these actors. Anyway, Kevin Sorbo, I think that's his name, the Hercules guy. 
he gets hit by a car at the end. I hope, spoiler alert. And, you know, on his, you know, on his thing, David A.R. Wright gives him a hand and he prays him into the glory of God and he accepts Jesus right after being hit by a car. But what was working behind scenes is he was this professor who was uh, against God and he was having this battle with the student. And so behind closed doors, behind scenes, God was working in his life and in his heart, preparing the ground. He gets hit by a car on the way to the, the, the concert thing. And, you know, David Wright, Wright is right there and he gives him, he saves his soul and he accepts Jesus on his deathbed with his last breath it's a movie right it's a movie and um it's just that beautiful picture of we can't do you think that there were people in his life who were like god i wish he was saved god i wish that he he, he would accept jesus but he lived with pride and with ego and he lived in this place but behind the scenes people were still praying for him they were still planting the seeds they didn't give up they were still ministering even this kid was bold enough to stand up to his professor and god was using these different situations to till the ground of his hardened heart in order to put it into a position to receive him as lord and savior of his life right? Well, now everybody's talking about movies. They're great movies, you guys. Chill with the movie stuff, okay? Everybody, <laughs> but, but you guys are missing the point. I will not reference movies anymore because as soon as I say that, they're like, hey, War Room's great. Listen to this. Like, ah, we know Pure Flix is on fire. That's a great, great thing. And then there's people, Pure Flix is owned by Netflix and it's demonic and they're just trying to poison you. Oh my gosh. So much. So much. Anyway, uh, whether it's a short time or a long time, please do not give up on your loved ones. Please do not give up. Continue to stand in the gap. Don't put a timeline on it. Like if they don't accept Jesus in six months or six years or 60 years, you don't stop. You don't stop. You continue to love them. And even, even if you know you become annoying, I'd rather annoy somebody into heaven than give them space and let them go straight to hell, right? Like that's... That's what it is. So moving forward, he says, um, you know, the King Agrippa, the governor, Festus, Bernice, and all the people sitting with him, they stood up, they left the room, talking with each other. They were just like, there's no reason, whether this man's crazy or whether he's a prophet, okay? <laughs> there's no reason that this man should die or even be put in jail. And then King Agrippa said to Festus, he's like, we could let this man go free right now. But he has asked Caesar to hear his case. And so, they've, they, you know, as a Roman citizen, Paul has that right. He is a Roman citizen. So they're going to go ahead and follow through. This is like the second time that they're just like, dude, we could, we could let this guy go. There's literally no reason for him. He's not like He might be crazy. He might be a prophet, but he's done nothing wrong. And this led me to this. That's the end of Acts chapter 26. We're going to move over to the Psalm, but I want to share, right? I want to share this. I wrote these things down. Um, the divine creation and how God plans things before you ever breathe your first breath. From your birth, to your citizenship, to your race, to the country that you're in, to the family that you're born in, to your education, to all of your experiences, to your reputation, to everything. It all plays a part of a plan that's much greater than you can ever imagine. And we overlook that so, so quickly. But I wanna use Paul as an example, right? Paul is in places that some of the other disciples and apostles couldn't be. Right, The very fact that he was born a Roman citizen gives him a specific amount of rights. So in some of the situations, him being born 
he's Jewish, but being born as a Roman citizen, it has protected him and kept him from certain death, from certain accusations, from certain beatings. He has now been privy. He's now had the privilege of sitting in front of high officials and preaching the gospel. Now he's had the ear of individuals who are in influential places. It comes down to where he was born, when he was born. It comes down to his education, the fact that he was a Pharisee and he was taught. He now has the eloquence of speech. He's now well-versed in the Torah and, and the Mosaic law. He understands the way that these individuals operate. So on top of that, his reputation, his reputation gave him an edge where he was going to be understood. If he was so zealous for this, it would only, only a miracle would take a man who was killing Christians. Only a miracle would take a man who was persecuting followers of Jesus and now put him on this path of he is preaching it. Everything, the things that you might forsake or question or wonder why God, why this family, why this place, why this country, why this state, why this color, why this voice, why this um, birth issue, why, 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 why God formed you in your mother's womb. He has you right where you, he wants you. You were handcrafted by him. You were perfectly made. There is a purpose and a plan and a will that he has for your life right now. It is not something that you wait for. It is not something that you have to go to. In this moment, there is a purpose and a plan for your life, exactly where you are. God doesn't make mistakes. He's just like, whoop, cooked that one too long. Whoop, up, oh man, I, I messed up there. Like, oh man, I totally forgot. Like, that's not how it is. And if we can get to that place of understanding that you are who you are because God made you that way. And you possess a certain uh, set of characteristics. You, 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 you possess a certain set of skills that, that has you exactly where he wants you. And he wants to use you just as you are in that place. Does that make sense? Right? Does that make sense? Glory to God. God is so good. Man, Acts chapter 26, on fire. I'm excited to... Uh, I'm excited to be um, <clears throat> done with Acts, but um, man, God really brought the fire. So if you guys would put the the full thing that we're doing, Acts 26 and Psalm 108, would somebody put that in there? I'd like to pin that um, so that those who come in will understand. There we go. First one I saw. Thank you. Acts 26, Psalm 108. This is what we're doing. Psalm 108, you guys are reading this on your own. Um, it's very short. It's 13 verses. I'll be brief here. <clears throat> the first thing, first verse, it says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. Like that's, that's the message right there. His heart is fixed. And what, and I'll go through it, but I want to come back to that. He says, I myself will wake early. I will praise thee. Your mercy is great above the heavens. Your truth reaches into the clouds. He said, you have, you have spoken in your holiness. I will rejoice. Um, uh, man. Verse 12, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Verse 13, through God we shall do valiantly, for it is for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. The only thing that I want to share, because you guys are going to read this on your own. I pray that God gives you a revelation and speaks to you. It talks about the praise and the glory and the holiness of God, and that I'm going to I'm going to praise him regardless. But the verse one, it says, My heart is fixed. If you guys would put that in the comment chat, in the comment section, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I get this picture of my heart being fixed in place. 
that my, my heart isn't going to move. So uh, on my wall, right, I have my snowboard. I have a snowboard that I brought with me from Oregon and I have it fixed in place. It won't move. It's not going to come. An earthquake will happen. The way that I've got it strapped to the wall, it is fixed in place. It will not move. And, and when I get this picture of my heart, I get a picture of my heart being fixed in place, regardless of what's going on, regardless of those who come against me, my enemies, people who persecute me, regardless of the tragedy that comes against my life, no matter what, what people do to me, heartbreak, backstabbing, betrayal, uh, whatever is going on in my life, I want my heart to be fixed. And I want it to be fixed in a position of praise. I want it to be uh, fixed in a position of exaltation, exalting God, regardless of what is happening around me, no matter how low I go, or even on the opposite, because sometimes you can get so high that you forget about God, right? You, 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 start, you start to live like life is good. Right? We, we, I don't know about you, but I've been in that place where life was so good that it's kind of like, I don't even need to pray, bro. Like I've got everything that I need. I've been in a place in life where I became my own God. Money became my God. I, I had everything that I thought that I needed. And so I was like, I don't even need to pray. I don't need to read my word. Like I've arrived. So whether you're high up here or you're low down here, I want my heart to be fixed on him. I don't want it to move regardless of the earthquakes of life, regardless of the storms, the heavy rain, the torrential downpour, the hurricane, the tornadoes, all of the things, the natural natural disasters of life that come against you, I want my heart to be in such a posture that it is fixed and it is fixed on him. It does not move. And that whatever this life throws at me, no matter how hard, no matter how challenging, no matter how discouraging, uh, or, 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 or how hard things get, tough times get, I want it to be fixed in place and know that my God is good, that he reigns, that he is solid, he is a rock, he is immovable, he does not lie, he is who he says he is, that he will not change, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the place that I need to be is in that posture, giving him praise regardless. If I lose all my money, I'm going to give him praise. If I lose a family member, I'm going to give him praise. If I get sick and am on my deathbed, I'm going to give him praise. If I, Regardless of what happens, he is still good. And there is purpose and a plan, even though I can't see it, or even though my mortal eyes can't understand it, there is a purpose and a plan for everything that happens under the sun. My heart must be fixed. I cannot allow it to go up and down like a leaf on the ocean, right? I can't find myself questioning God when somebody passes away, right? We, we get into that place. Grief is hard. Grief is challenging. I don't think that you can ever be ready for it. I understand that. But we get so mad. Well, God, why did they die? Why, where did they, like, and we get into this place where we start to get mad at him for doing what we were born to do. Fam, we were born to die. Nobody gets out of here alive. And if anything, that should give you this sense of urgency that, hey, life is short. I don't know when I'm going to take my last breath. I don't know when the people around me are going to take their last breath. I can wake up and someone could leave today. So it makes it that much more urgent that I need to squash beef. 
I need to let go of arguments and resentment and pettiness. I need to let go of unforgiveness. I need to love people. I need to nurture the relationships in my life. I need to let them know how much they mean to me. I need to be on purpose. I need to be on plan. I need to be in will. I need to be doing these things and start moving around like a man on fire who is seeking the plan, purpose, and will of God. I don't want to waste any time because this, this no tomorrow isn't promised. So I need to be more aware and awake and making sure that everything that I'm doing is intentional. I can't just become, you know, lackadaisical and start daydreaming and just kind of navigating and cruising through life without any direction. I don't have time for that. Everything I must do should be intentional and the intention should be to make him more known, to love him with everything I got and to love the people that are in my life. And that's how we're going to complete today's message. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing worse than mic dropping and then sipping cold coffee, right? Like after that speech, I feel like the coffee should have been hot and I could go and it would be like nourishment to my soul. It wasn't. It was depressing. Um, The coffee was depressing. We need to work on that. I need to do something better. You can't mic drop into cold coffee. It don't work. Like I could have faked it and be like, yeah, that was good. But no, it was bitter. And uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. So let's do this. Um, I want to pray. I want to pray. I'm sorry. I got to be silly sometimes. I really mess up moments. Like my one of my toxic traits is in uncomfortable situations. I have to laugh. I have to try to be funny. So when someone's like, oh, dude, you know, they're like giving me compliments. I'm just like, ah, and I got to like break the weird, awkward air with 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 humor. Um, and so even in like serious moments, I am notorious for, uh, just ruining a moment, ruining a moment with, with humor. It's not good. And I need to work on that. Um, because these emotional moments sometimes is like when God meets you in these places and people are just like, Oh, they're in tears. And I'm over here trying to be funny. I'm not. And then, uh, the people like start to resent me and not like me because my sense of humor is dry. Um, but let's move forward. It's about 618. I want to spend a couple minutes praying. And uh, listen, <laughs> Henry says you're doing just fine. Thank you, brother Henry. Uh, I look forward to seeing you this weekend, Henry. It's going to be dope. Um, excited about baptisms tomorrow. Bapti- baptizing a ton of people in the ocean. It's going to be beautiful. Church on Sunday. Um, it's going to be great. I'm so excited for this weekend. And uh, just the chance. Like life is just surrounded. It's just filled with serving people and, and glorifying God. And, um, I'm stoked for it, but I want to thank you guys for the, um, the, the, the badges. Listen, this is crazy. 190 bucks today. That's like, that's close to an all time high. I, I think we've broke 200 once before, but this is awesome. I appreciate you guys. It is an honor. It is a privilege. It must be payday, right? Friday. Everybody got their paycheck. They're like, wait till Friday. We're about to buy a badge. Like I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, and that's, that's a lot of money. So I appreciate you guys. Let's pray. Uh, let's get up out of here. We'll pray today. I love you guys. If nobody's told you today, I know it's early. I love you. I do appreciate you guys. I honor you. Um, this is a community that I look forward to. I was tired. I was tired. I've, I've, I've stayed up kind of later than usual, like 1030 the last couple of nights because I've had stuff going on. Our Bible study was last night. I had TikTok live that went longer than it should have. Um, I had a live on Instagram where 20 people got saved yesterday. Like what? What is life where people, 20 people are getting saved on Instagram live? So awesome. But, um, 
yeah, man, I was exhausted, but I knew when I woke up, I was like, yes, coffee and prayer. Like it really pushes me and drives me. So thank you guys. I love you. Um, but we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for another day. God, help us to keep you at the forefront of our mind and of our heart. Everything that we do, every breath that we take, every step that we take, Lord, everything um, that, that, that you put in front of us, Lord, help us to glorify you. Help us to live a life that brings honor and glory to you. Lord, help us to obey you. We hear the calling. Lord, we hear you telling us and making it clear to serve you, to serve people, to love you, to love people, to be a light in this dark world that's not much more complicated than that, to let our lives speak louder than our head knowledge, to, to allow the lights in us to shine, God, to empty ourselves of ourselves and to fill ourselves with you. And so, Lord, we obey. We want to live a life that uh, just attracts people in. And, and they, they catch the fire of the Holy Spirit and they, they want to know you more intimately and their lives are changed and transformed. God, that is our prayer. We're, we're not going to sit here and lift up all of our problems. Lord, you know our needs. You know the things that we need. But right now, we're going to take this moment as the body of Christ over almost 500 of us. And we're going to praise you and we're going to thank you. And we're going to start today with an attitude of gratitude. We are going to search out the things that we should be thankful for. The very fact that we have breath in our lungs, that we have a pulse, we are thankful. God, the very fact that we are watching this live on a device of some sort, that we have access to Wi-Fi, access to electricity, access to a screen of some sort that we can come together. God, we thank you. Lord, the fact that, uh, that, that we're here, that you've blessed us with a present moment. You guys, the present moment is just that. It is a gift. And so we are thankful for that, God. We praise you. Help us to be Holy Spirit-filled, heat-seeking missiles, searching for opportunities to tell others about you and what you've done in our lives. God, equip us. We know that you won't take us to anything that you won't lift us up through. You won't put anything in front of us that you won't carry us through. You won't uh, approach us with any situation that you won't give us the strength or the endurance to overcome. It is not by our might. We look to you for strength and endurance. We look to you for comfort. We look to you for peace. We look to you for comfort and understanding. God, we need you because by ourselves, Lord, we are a wreck and we cannot do it without you. And so this morning, we lay down all of our hopes, our visions, our dreams, our goals, all of the things that we thought would bring us happiness, peace, and satisfaction. And we ask that your will would be implemented into our life. We surrender to your will, to your plan, and your purpose because we truly believe, know, and understand that that is where true peace, comfort, and satisfaction come from. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Woo! Heaven fell today. Um, man, I can feel, I just, I, again, feelings. But uh, yeah, Holy Spirit's heavy. Thank you, Jesus. I love you guys. I honor you. I appreciate you spending your mornings with me. Um, and really, it's me spending my morning with you. I'm thankful for the accountability, for the drive, for the community that we've created here, for all of the love and support. Um, and I look forward to meeting some of you guys tomorrow at baptisms and even more of you on Sunday at church. And uh, yeah, man, I'm so grateful, humbled and honored that um, 
guy would God would use a guy in a Jeep to, to be a part of your day. So um, you guys have an amazing rest of your day. 240 bucks. <laughs> Mind blown, right? Mind blown. Uh, we keep this up and we might be able to to do some kind of a special event um, at the beach. I know we got a lot of wood. We got a lot of wood from our men's thing that that never kind of uh, came through. We could do like a bonfire. I don't know. I'm spit firing at this point and I'm wasting your time. So I love you. I honor you. And I pray that you guys have an amazing day. And um, if you guys want to know more about the baptism stuff, go to Royal City Church. It's my Instagram page. It's the church page. If you click the link, it gives you times, dates, locations. It gives you email access. It Like all of the answers that you are looking for are found through there. I, I don't do a good job of keeping up with it because my job and my role and goal is the people. We have a church page that I interact with. Please, Royal City Church, Instagram page, and um, you'll get all of the answers that you seek, right? Kind of like Yoda. Uh, the, the, the answers that you're looking for are found on Royal City Church Instagram page. Amen? Love you guys. See you guys later. Have a good one.